Hello and welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior. This is episode number 46. Ooh, 46. Who are you? I'm Carrie Grove. Yep, you're a staff minister. We're missing Ashley Comer. Yeah. Who was our special guest host last week, my she sister. She had to go home. Had to go home, back to Milwaukee. Uh, we have an exciting night. We're going to, at least the boys and I are going to Bengals-Packers preseason game yes. tonight. So. Yes. What's your prediction on the score? Well, I think it's going to be 14 to 13. Who's going to win? Packers. Packers in a close one, 14 to 13. You heard yeah. it here first. Who's going to score the winning touchdown for the Packers? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Is Aaron Rodgers still on our team? <laughs> Stop crying, Alex. <laughs> I'm not crying. It's fine. We have our own guy now. His name is Jordan Love. Oh! Oh, Jordan Love. Yeah, he's from Tawas, my hometown. He's not. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, good start to the podcast. Uh, we are in the last Sunday of our Defined Christian series, and the theme is the Christian answers doubts with faith. You'll see that very clearly in both of our readings. We have two narratives um, in our first lesson and our gospel. We'll get there. For our Sunday school lesson, this, this one's a good one and an interesting one. It's Paul and Philemon. Uh, the book of Philemon is very short. I want to say it's like 21 verses in the New Testament. So it's like one chapter? Yeah, essentially okay. one chapter. And it's just a letter. You know, most of the letters that Paul writes are written to, like, the Christians in Ephesus or the Christians in Corinth. In this case, it's written just to one man named Philemon. Philemon is in a, a book that we talk about much. I don't know that any of the parts of Philemon are in used in worship in hmm. the, the Christian lectionary. I don't really remember any of that coming up. C.S. Lewis called Philemon, quote, the most beautiful and intensely human of all St. Paul's epistles, full Whoa. of charm and beauty. Wow. So that's high praise coming from somebody like C.S. Lewis. Uh, we know very little about Philemon, as we said. He had a reputation for being very generous and being a hard worker for the church. So why is Paul writing to a letter to just one guy? Well, it's to support his friend Onesimus. Mm, yes, Remember that name? I Onesimus? do. Remember who Onesimus was? So was he the um, servant? Yeah, servant. Who... Slave is probably more accurate okay, in this yeah. case. Okay, yeah. The slave who um, was, he he escaped. Yeah, he ran away from Philemon's house mm-hmm. and seems and probably took some money along the way. So okay. he stole from Philemon as he left and... Um, just the note here that a lot of runaway slaves seem to go to Rome since there was a lot of opportunities there to find mm-hmm. work and then maybe just to get lost in the shuffle too. You know, if you're mm-hmm. on the lamb, you know, go to a big city and kind of blend in. So he ends up meeting Paul in Rome. And it seems like before that, Onesimus wasn't a Christian, but by God's grace and providence, he meets Paul in Rome wow. and becomes a Christian. And he ends up running Paul's errands for him in Rome while Paul's on house arrest. You know, this is that first time that Paul is is imprisoned, but it's not, he's not in jail. Right. He's like, has his own apartment, but he's still in some court, some sort of chains. So um, Paul and, and Onesimus struck up this Christian friendship. Paul loved having Onesimus as a helper. Wow. But here's why it's in our Ten Commandments series. He's not going to covet Onesimus as a person. Wow. Which is, yeah, I, you know, that's an interesting right, angle like to, take ap- to approach. Something that belongs, well... That well, that's the Philemon, crux of the issue, right? right? Yeah. I mean, so that's that's why it's an important lesson to, to talk through because mm-hmm. the the issue of slavery is one that is is 
is important and dark. And, yeah. And, you know, I think our, our country has a history with that. So what we have to say here, and, and Paul's encouragement here is really important to kind of walk through and navigate yeah. and consider why what he's doing, why Paul says what he says, why he doesn't say other things. That's kind of mm-hmm. you know, what we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the this section. So um, he's not going to covet Onesimus as a worker because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's part of Philemon's household. So he encourages Onesimus to go back to, to Philemon, which seems like a strange you know, decision to us. Like, why right. not just keep him In, safe yeah. from this? But there's, there's more. So as you read the book of Philemon, he sends Onesimus back with this letter to encourage Philemon to, to set him free. Mm-hmm. So legally, Philemon had the right to punish Onesimus for, for running away. We should say this is not any sort of excuse, but when we think of slavery, we think of our, our country's slavery. Our country's slavery, version of it. Which was awful. Yeah. Um, there's no... There's no getting around that. No. The, the slavery that, that took place in our country was, was terrible and Brutal. nightmarish. Uh, this, is, this is different. This is more like indentured servitude, if you remember that from mm-hmm. social studies, where you know somebody would maybe get themselves into debt and would just need to work things off in somebody's house, and they were usually treated a lot better. Um, at least it seems to like be the one case. Of the, in, one of the... F- family like, yeah they wouldn't have the same status as a family mm-hmm. member but they're part of the household yeah in more, in more sense so i think that's that's often a misunderstanding here that people think of you know that philemon is some awful taskmaster right who's, yeah. who's going to you know be who had been or would be cruel to onesimus yeah. in that case i don't believe paul would have sent him back to no. that situation yeah but so he sends this letter. So the book of Philemon is the letter that Onesimus was to take back with him to kind of explain to Philemon, mm-hmm. this is what happened. This is what, what Paul is asking to do. So Paul thanks God for Philemon's faith, which was evident in the way that he lived his life. So, you know, we from all accounts, Philemon is a pretty solid guy. Uh, he has the authority to simply make Philemon do the right thing. He could have sent a letter and just said, hey, man, free Onesimus, be a Christian brother to him. He had the legal yeah. right to do that or the authority, I should say, to do that. But instead, he, he pleads for Onesimus based on love. Mm-hmm. He appeals to the faith of Philemon and God's love for Philemon, basically says, do the right thing. Yeah. He doesn't compel him. He doesn't force him. You know, you have to set him free. Mm-hmm. But essentially just lays out the case. You've been loved by God. You've been set free from sin by him. Now go ahead and set free Onesimus too. And Paul even offers to pay back what Onesimus had taken from Philemon. So Paul is laying it out there, laying out the gospel case for it, and also saying, whatever he took from you, I myself will pay it back. He's kind of taking on um, a father's role for mm-hmm. Onesimus. Um, yeah, was he, do we know how old Onesimus was? We don't. There's there's very, that's that's part of the issue with, with this short letters. We just know very so very little yeah, about like everybody involved. Yeah, he could have been a young most likely yeah, younger. I mean, so yeah. Paul is probably older. We think, mm-hmm. you know, when when this is written, if this is so this is still the first imprisonment, but Paul is almost certainly older than yeah. Onesimus at this point. Um, so just the I mean, the question people people do question this book of the Bible, um, mm-hmm. even though it's short. I mean, why didn't Paul tell Philemon to stop his slavery altogether? And I think this is an important thing for Christians to consider today. Yeah. Um, Paul's goal was changing Philemon's heart. Yeah. not changing the social practices. So I think sometimes when, when Christians look at this world and we're frustrated by behavior, 
our gut reaction is to say, if only there were more laws, <laughs> then society yeah. would be better. What's the problem with that? Well, that's not fixing anything. I mean, the heart is, our hearts are full of sin. Mm-hmm. So laws are just there to curb yeah. <laughs> and guide. Um, and And if you, I mean, the more you come down with the laws, the more like different ways there are to try to break them. Mm-hmm. So absolutely Christians should be in favor of laws that support God's word, mm-hmm. right? But we should also not misunderstand and think somehow more laws are the way to reframe our society and make it right. good. Cause it, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times when Christians fight for laws, it's, it's protecting, you know, it's protecting the unborn, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's protecting people that are, are vulnerable. At least that's that's what we hope for when Christians are fighting for laws, fighting for justice and equality and things like that. Uh, so, But Paul's not looking to just, okay, Onesimus, or I'm sorry, Philemon, you have to do this because I'm telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. He, wants, he wants it to be a gospel-motivated right. change. So that's yeah. why he simply doesn't tell him to do the right thing. And that's so much more powerful. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. one, if you can move Philemon to that then you know how much more the other people like that he influences uh, another thing to note is Paul doesn't make any excuses for Onesimus behavior and stealing right he just yeah. mentions that he's repented so that's a good thing for us to remember there's no excuse for sin there's nothing that we can say that's like okay it's understandable that you did mm-hmm. this not in the sense that God would understand so just yeah it was done you know yeah. you repented forgiveness and that, is, is here. that's that Yep. Yeah, and now let's let's move forward, Philemon. And then maybe the final thing to say about this, um, just a note from the People's Bible that Paul's plea for Onesimus is a model for Christian intercession for another person, and it mirrors the way Christ intercedes for us before his Father. And there's this quote from Martin Luther, We are Christ's Onesimi, which is the plural of mm-hmm. Onesimus, nice. restored by Christ, who by giving up his rights compelled the Father to lay aside his wrath. That's so that's a great comparison, you know, that Paul's filling the, the Jesus role. Like, you know, this this has been squared away. I You know, you can set aside your, your law, set aside your wrath, because there's been forgiveness and repentance. So that's essentially what Paul was doing to Philemon. You know, this I know you were hurt by this. I know you're seeing wrong in this, but Onesimus has repented. Now let's live together as Christian brothers yeah. in harmony. Anything else there? No, that's just really just awesome for us to, like, see that um model like modeled and mm-hmm. you know represent that in our lives too. yeah and i think to to intercede for each other to intercede again you know this this lesson makes us think about fighting for other people that are have less rights than maybe we do in our specific positions or fighting for justice and to do that to contend for the gospel as mm-hmm. being the only thing that can make any sort of lasting change in right. someone um but just it's, it's good for us to do that, to, yeah. to fight and plea on behalf of other people, whether it's before God or for people in this world. Okay, uh, our first lesson is from 1 Kings. So remember that the theme is the Christian answers doubts with faith. I love 1 Kings 19, this section. Uh, this is not long after Elijah went ahead a showdown with, with what prophets, what group of prophets? The prophets of Baal. How many were there? 390. Four, 450. 450 <laughs> prophets of Baal. Elijah has a showdown with them. God rains fire down from heaven, mm-hmm. which does not convince Israel to all come to his side. Very so strange. instead, yes. yeah, I mean, the, the prophets of Baal are put to death, which is pretty intense. But Israel doesn't suddenly come around and decide yeah. they're on team, team God, team God of Israel. Instead, Elijah faces more persecution, so he flees, he, he bails. 
he gets in the chariot and he just he goes uh, for a long long time uh, away from where God wanted him to be so oh, interesting. that beginning of first Kings 19 uh, Elijah's sleeping against a broom tree you know that's mm-hmm. it's a great section where God comes and feeds him twice you know get up yep. and eat you know and then this section starts with Elijah in a cave he spends the night the word of the Lord came to him what are you doing here Elijah so that's a great you know God's gentleness but also firmness in a sense yeah. like you're not supposed to be here this isn't where I sent you mm-hmm. but rather than lightning bolt in hand kind of crashing in an Elijah you know how dare you go where I tell you to go oh he's you know what are you doing he gives him the chance to answer right and Elijah's got his speech ready locked <laughs> and loaded I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty the Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword I am the only one left <laughs> and now they're trying to kill me too mm-hmm which I understand why yeah, he's saying that. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's laid it all out there. Like, fire came from heaven. He's ready for all of Israel to be like, yay. And he's put himself in a lot of danger. Yeah, he's, he's got a spotlight on him. And the king of Israel, Ahab, is, is coming after him. Basically says, hey, I, I'm the last one. What, what else do you want me to do? How can I not be sad? And so, again, God, rather than, he could come down really hard on Elijah and be mm-hmm. like, dude, hey, like, trust I, me. Yeah, I got you. Know? you. So how does God answer his doubts? This this is great. You remember this. Uh, God says, Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. A great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Was Whoa. the Lord in that wind? No. No. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came? A whisper. A gentle whisper. Or, if you like the KJV, a still small voice. Ooh. What hymn is that? Where shepherds like lean out? No, a still no. small voice. No, silent night. No. <laughs> a still small voice so to cry one day for me. Do, 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 okay, that's the shep- where shepherds like. Yep, you were right. You were right. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so the gentle whisper, still small voice. So God, all these powerful things, the wind, the earthquake, and fire, earth, wind, and fire, great band. <gasps> Whoa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, God's not in that. So he's showing, yeah. he's showing Elijah. I, yeah, I know I just sent down fire in front of the eyes of Israel. But guess what? That's not how I work. I mean, wow. I come through my word. Um, and I think that's good for us today, too. I mean, we, we so often want God, God just, like, do something big and cool in our world. Mm-hmm. And we'll get YouTube down there to film it. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody will be Christians. Right. Right? And... No, it's not, it's not the it way didn't it work. It's it's not the the way it fire works. from heaven didn't work. So Elijah hears the, the gentle whisper. He pulls his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of a cave. A voice said to him again, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> He's got the same speech. He's learned zero lessons, which is awesome. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> yeah. That, this is Elijah. This is like... The guy. I mean, and this he is, used him for huge things. Yes, this is, I mean, he's at transfiguration. You got Moses on one wow. side, Elijah on the other. Like, if anybody understands God, Elijah mm-hmm. does. And it's like, God's like, <laughs> earthquake, fire, wind, and he's not into that. And Elijah's like, oh, it's completely over his head. Like, I've been so zealous for you, and I'm the only one left. And God's like. Oh, man. <laughs> so. God says to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, and he tells him to anoint two kings, 
Uh, and then he says, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. So wow. he's like, okay, get to work. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm obviously here with you. going to bless mm-hmm. you. Get to work. Anoint your successor, Elisha. We know a lot about Elisha from the Bible. And this is how it finishes. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. Wow. So Elijah, you, you don't know what you think. That you're you not know. alone. Right. So one, encouraging, you're not alone. But also like, dude, cool it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I know what I'm doing. There's yeah. 7,000 people in Israel who, whom I have made, you know, stay mm-hmm. faithful to me. So mm-hmm. it's not your job to look at the results and be like, oh, blah, 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 woe is me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just our job to be faithful and, and trust mm-hmm. that God is going to do what God does, which is keep his kingdom going on earth. So, And that's so comforting when, I mean, you know, as someone who is trying to, like, share Jesus with others, you see how many times you fail mm-hmm. um or you see that like on the outside it's not working it yeah. doesn't look like it's working mm-hmm. um but like i forgot where i was going with that is that you know that god is is going to accomplish what he wants yeah it's not on us like it's not what i can or cannot do all right let's move on to the gospel and talk about more about how god answers doubts um so this is not long after, oh, how long, how not long it is? Immediately. Immediately after mm-hmm. the feeding of the 5,000, mm-hmm. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Basically like, hey, go away. <laughs> Jesus needs some me Move time. Move along, guys. But if you remember from last week, you know, Jesus is still, he still is, needs to mourn John the Baptist, needs to consider his own death, yeah. needs just a little time to himself as a true man human being mm-hmm. just i need to recoup i need to pray he wanted that beginning of our last section he didn't get it instead right. the crowds found him so he's this is just like just please leave me alone mm-hmm. you know in a very christ-like way mm-hmm. as only christ can so it dismisses the crowd and he goes to pray uh, later that night he's there alone and the boat that has the disciples in it is you know, matthew says already considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it so mm-hmm. These disciples have not made a lot of headway you know, because of the wind. So what does Jesus do? Walks on the water? Yeah, just walks <laughs> on the water. Just breaks, casually breaks the laws of nature. Doesn't break any of God's laws, but mm-hmm. he breaks the laws of nature and physics yeah. and just walks on water. Um, and the disciples see him walking in the lake and they say, hooray, Jesus is here. No, what do they say? It's a ghost. It's Casper. <laughs> it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But that was, was part yeah. of the the culture, like well, it's part of the culture. I mean, that's that's true. They were very superstitious. But also, if you saw someone walking on a lake towards uh, you, yeah, would creepy. you be like, "Oh, it's just Jesus"? <laughs> no. You well, should. That's I, ideally I mean, that's what you should do. Yeah. But I mean, if, yeah. if, if it's in the middle of the night and you just see a figure walking on a and lake, and isn't it pretty tumultuous? Like, aren't they? I mean, in it's the the wind. Rough it, water. The, it, the wind is kind of holding them in place, so it's like stormy okay. and stuff. And a mm-hmm. figure's walking on the water. When I was little, I think like a lot of Bible stories, like the disciples would do something foolish. I'm like, <laughs> stupid disciples. I would have known. Yeah, like, no. Transport seven-year-old me who's scoffing at the disciples onto the Sea of Galilee. And I'm not like putting a hand on Peter's shoulder and being like, hey, man, it's just Jesus. Don't freak out. It's no ghost. It's not Casper who will not be around for another 2,000 years. Yeah. It's just Jesus. So mm-hmm. we should cut them a little slack. Yes. Immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter, of course. Stepped out of the boat. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Peter's Mm got to be like, hey, 
testing him, challenging him. Come, Jesus said, which is awesome. Yeah. Instead of Jesus being like, no, clown. <laughs> Get out of here. Stay in the boat. <laughs> Get in the boat. He come with you. But he's like, no, okay. This you is wanna, my thing. You want to walk on water? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Come out and walk on water. And then, yeah, it gets it gets even better. Peter got down onto the boat, walked in the water, and came toward Jesus. So mm-hmm. Jesus extends his divine power to, yep. to, to Peter in this mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, okay. If you want to walk on water, I'll make you walk on water. Uh, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So his focus is taken off of Jesus. Jesus. And what happens? He begins to sink. He Uh-oh. looks at his earthly circumstances. That's a whole lot of wind. Mm-hmm. That's the, a boatload of waves. Get it, boatload. <laughs> yeah. All right. And what am I going to do? I'm going to sink. I, I yeah. can't do it. You know, so he begins and to sink. And then he sinks, yeah. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Yeah, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, it's there's a rebuke there. Yeah. But it's, again, gentle. We mm-hmm. two, two lessons here. We see people that should have known better doubt express those doubts essentially to God's face. Like, hey, rescue yep. me. Fix this. This is bad. And God's response is kind of like, you're kind of silly, but <laughs> I love you. I love you. Yeah, yep. and, um, it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know, for Elijah, basically. You know, I'm. There's a bunch more people than you realize, and for for Peter, it's basically I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you pull you up and make sure that you don't drown in the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. And then and there's even more. We kind of forget this part. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Yes. By coincidence, right? No. No. Because oh well, I mean I know the Sea of Galilee was a pretty like. Yeah, I mean it was. Uh, storms would come up and come down really fast. Yeah. But it's not in this case. It's like it was. Jesus steps in the boat. And it's like storm over. Yep. So those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." So I, you know, if you probably have heard sermons or Sunday school lessons on this before, I think it's the the point is well made. You take your focus off of Jesus. You yeah. look at the circumstances. You freak out. It's understandable. Mm-hmm. But focus on Jesus and what He's doing, the power that He has. Well, then we, no matter what the circumstances are, we're, we're fine. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, you want to read our, our verse, Immovable, Our Hope Remains, that's verse 1. Immovable, our hope remains, through shifting sands before us lie. Oh, sorry, it's though. Though shifting sands before us lie. The one who washed away our stains shall bear us safely to the skies. The floods may rise, the winds may beat, torrential rains descend. Yet God, his own, will not forget. He'll love and keep us till the end. Some strong storm imagery there. Well, you can probably hear we've had our third co-host Melville very active today. She's uh, she's watching our neighborhood closely, which we're thankful for. Uh, but as far as that hymn goes, just the really strong storm imagery—the one who washed away our stains, our stains shall bear us safely to the skies. The floods may rise, the winds may beat. Just the concept of things look really bad, mm-hmm. you know. Storm's coming, it's here, flood, flood water's rising, but it doesn't matter because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. I think that's that's uh, very key for a Christian to remember because yeah. we so, sometimes our faith feels contingent on our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Maybe not instead of sometimes, we should say a lot. Yeah. And days like this in the church here remind us that the situ- circumstances, situation shouldn't matter. You know, Elijah's in a cave. You know, God's like, I, I'm, I'm fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Peter's, you know, sinking into the, 
stormy Sea of Galilee, Jesus is like, I, I'm here. I'm going to pull you up. So when we are freaking out about the storms in our life or feeling alone in some you know metaphorical cave, God's answer is the same. I'm, I'm here. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You're fine. It's mm-hmm. going to be all right. So that leads us to our final question. How has God answered your doubts with faith? Well, um, I feel like he has given me some interesting experiences in life um, that really did a good job of showing me, like, this isn't on you, Carrie. Like, you can't fix this. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's brought me through that. And then now I get to – I have, like, a very – it's just, like, really – it just comes out of my mouth. Like, when people – um, you know, express their worries and fears, like, just like that, like, God's got you, you know, he's, this is not, this is not what, um, we, we can't handle it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. We can't, Yeah. but God can. Yeah. Um, and it just makes it so like, you know, it, it just, it's been like every, every time yeah he's every time he fixes it yeah i think god god has brought you through some difficult things in your life things you still face and i think not only has he blessed you by going back to word and sacrament for faith but Mm -hmm. i mean other people have been have seen the way that god has taken care of you and how god has given you faith and that's been a blessing to others then too it's just god knows what he's doing yeah he's he's the same god said to elijah hey you know get to work i've got seven thousand yeah For me, I just was thinking about this. We had our high school college 101 event this week, and you know, fellowship fellowship hall is full of young people in their teens and early 20s, and talking about doubts and trying to be as frank as possible about how you know doubts can just be a part of a Christian's life, no matter what age you are. But it just seems like when you're in your teens and 20s, for the maybe for the first time in your life, you're really wrestling with with doubts. In a sense, that's kind of scary. Yeah. You know, when you're little, it's easier to just be like, well, the Bible says it, I believe it. Everyone and, else around me yeah, believes people, it. Yeah, people that I love and trust believe it, so there's, you know, why would I think otherwise? And then you grow up a little bit, and you're, maybe if you grew up in sort of a Christian bubble, you get outside of that bubble, and you're like, oh, man, people I, I like and find to be very intelligent very don't believe this. Yeah. And in fact, I think it's ridiculous They have that some interesting it. points. Yeah. Or they're charming, and they're funny, and it's like, well... I kind of want to believe charming and, and funny people. Um, so we were just talking about the worst thing you could do with your doubts is to pretend they don't exist mm-hmm. or to pretend like it's it's the death knell for your relationship with God. I'm, I'm doubting some part of you know God's existence or God's love for me or God's power and creation or you know, just the Bible itself. I'll just pretend like it doesn't exist or I'm having this doubt means I'm not a Christian anymore, which yeah. is not. It's no. not true. I mean, Elijah mm-hmm. doubts here. Peter doubts here. They're yeah. not. They're not. They are, yes. They're Christians. So first of all, just to be real about doubts and then find someone to go to, uh, to be be encouraged by them. I Mm -hmm. I tried to, you know, early that night we'd played, what stupid game did we play? (laughs) I mean, brilliant game that I came up with. We had to like bop a balloon up in the air. As, as a group and get it across across like the with finish your arms line. linked yeah and I just I told you know I was running around there being stupid and I just said you know part of the reason that I run around like an idiot you know <laughs> with you guys is to show you that like I'm accessible and you know I and Pastor Western want our doors to be open to you mm-hmm. that if you're ever wrestling with doubts you don't have to be afraid to like you know come into our offices and we'll right. be like sounding the alarm you know okay we've got a bad christian here mm-hmm. but just that to be open about it and say every christian wrestles with doubts every every single one mm-hmm. and let's go back to god's word let's go back to the bible and see what does god say about that issue you're wrestling with um and let's let's just 
handle those doubts together. Yeah. I just, and I mentioned too, just having, having friends throughout my life that were, um, that allowed me to do that, to share doubts about God, about the Bible in a, in a way that didn't make me feel somehow I was alone. And they answered it with things that they learned from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So deal with doubts head on, you know, share them with people that you love and trust and, and we are a community of people. No Christian is an island. You know, God intends for us to work, work together and figure this out. And our next, our next worship series is about you know the church God wants. So yeah, next couple Sundays we'll spend talking about what's God's view for the church, His plan for it. Oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. Anything else for the any any final thoughts for this week to close things up? No, I just really like I just like that theme. It's this was a really great. This series. is a good, yeah, the, the Divine Christian series. Yeah. yeah. I like it too. Well, by the time this comes out, you'll probably know the outcome of 14 Packers, to 13. Packers, Packers 14 win. 13. Yeah. Excited to go. I don't think the boys really understand what it, <laughs> what it is yet, but I think they're going to have lots of fun. Well, I mean, they know it's a football game. They do. I think that's all they know. <laughs> I don't think they understand anything else about it, so it should be good. Um, and it, what kind of snack should we have at the game? Oh, well... Peanuts and Apple Jacks or whatever. Apple. <laughs> apple Jacks? The <laughs> what, cereal? Apple. What? Is, Buy me some peanuts yeah. and Apple Jacks. <laughs> Cracker Jack. Cracker Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if they have that. Root beer. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.